There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Greetings, podcast-verse. Okay, quick business up top. The next Nerdist podcast live in Los Angeles at Largo will be July 28th. And our special guest is Fred freaking Willard. Fred Willard. Burnwood tonight. Fred Willard. Best in show, Fred Willard. He's amazing. And we will own him temporarily, so you can rent time with him if you come to the show. Uh, there's also going to be special guests on that show. Uh, I haven't confirmed them yet, but as soon as I do, I will pass on that information to you. You can purchase tickets at Nerdist.com, so please go do that. All right, this episode... Uh, this is embarrassing. I should have posted this back in April when we recorded it, but for whatever reason I didn't, I don't have an excuse. It's a great episode, and the guest is one of my favorite comedians, Mr. Bill Burr. He is definitely one of the best comedians working today. There is no question. If you ever get a chance to see him and you don't, then you hate uh, laughing and comedy, uh, because he is he is truly phenomenal. He also has a fantastic podcast called the Monday, Monday Morning Podcast, and uh, you should download that as well. But before you do that, please listen to and enjoy episode number 24 of the Nerdist Podcast with Bill Burr. You're nice. Now entering Nerdist.com. How's that? Am I, am, I, uh, am I decent? Very good. Uh-huh. Your mic is hot. My mic is hot. We're here, here at Bill Burr's place. There seem to be some kind of sports on in the background. Uh, Bill, I'm not sure. I see a guy with a towel around his neck, and uh, he's sweaty, and there's some ice. Would that be... That's hockey. Water polo, hockey. Hockey. Yeah. Are we tr- doing this now? Are we water going? Polo. We're live, man. We I mean, stumble, we're not live. We stumble we're into like, Oh, you podcast. just go in. All right. Yeah. We don't... There's no official... Yeah, we trip through the door. I'm here. I thought you were doing the most amazing mic check ever. I was like, this guy, he, he rehearses during mic check. I feel like our podcasts are an hour-long mic check. Uh, oh. <laughs> and then right when we get to the end, we're like, all right, now let's do this. But then we've already used up our time. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm a huge hockey fan. I have the center ice package and... Uh, that's what I do. I sit here and I watch all the games like I'm scouting the league or some shit. <laughs> Every one of my friends when I was younger all played. I mean, like when I was in college, all my friends played hockey. Uh-huh. And uh, my buddy, um, my buddy, this kid named Will Wheaton, who is, you know, as uh, a geek, 
he was a goalie for a while until someone hit a puck at his face, and which you do, if, right? You know, sure. And um, the puck split his face mask and just went through and like split his head wide Ooh. open. Wow! And, uh, Where did he get that uh, face mask at? Did he just grab the? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Jason. I think, on it's, I think it said. I think it said. I think it said. <laughs> Wait, more importantly, who the kid that hit that puck, who's he playing for now? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is the mask said Hecho in Mexico underneath. So uh, I don't know if it's... <laughs> it was like I guess Al McGinnis' son. Huh? Anybody? Anybody? All right. <laughs> Al McGinnis. That sounds like a sporty thing. Yeah. I, I know. Well, Alec you know Guinness. I actually, didn't play, I actually didn't play hockey when I was... Uh, I grew up outside of Boston. and you, It was one of those deals where you, you had to grow up in a hockey family uh-huh. where it was like your parents were willing to, to take you to like to the rink at like 5.30 in the morning and my my parents were more traditional like baseball. They were just baseball. So, yeah. uh, and then not only that, it cost I think like like $9,000 a kid to play. Hockey is so, ridiculously expensive. expensive. Well, not only that, but it's like like hockey players' trunks, all those kids just, they smelled like oh, yeah. someone took a shit on death yeah. and ate it and threw it back up. Like it was the worst because you can't, it's hard to wash that stuff. That's yes. the funniest thing about hockey is all they talk about is the goons and the thuggery and how it's barbaric and it's really an elitist sport. It it's really like, is. yeah, it's like you guys can't even afford to play it. Well, yeah, you have to. <laughs> That's why they play field hockey. You have to be a graceful brute, which is a very interesting dichotomy. And afford skates. You have to be able to afford skates. Yeah, you have to learn how to walk and run all over again and fight. Yep. I mean, I've the live hockey games I've been to. The couple I thought they were fascinating. Um, I like to observe. <laughs> you know what? That, that really sounds like you're not coming back. Well, how'd you how'd you enjoy your first hockey game? That was fascinating. It was very interesting. I human think live hockey is the best sport to watch. I think it's the best sport to go to. I enjoy live hockey the most. Really, over when, basketball? And, yeah. And when, wouldn't you agree? You have to learn how to watch it on TV. Like like the the thing about when you watch it on TV, yeah. the line change is happening like my place somewhere over near my walk-in closet is where they're actually skating <laughs> off but you, but if you never watch you're like why do they all go up and just quit why did they stop <laughs> like people don't understand how tired you get like the average shift is i think it's only like a minute and 90 yeah. seconds long or something like that and they're absolutely exhausted and and so yeah try try propelling yourself across the ice with like 40 pounds of clothing uh, and they're big guys, and so their bodies yeah. have to work harder anyway. It's such a weird sport because it's like, oh, this thing, let's do this fun activity, but let's make it harder on ice. Yeah. It reminds me of the tale of Harrison Bergeron. <laughs> I think he just recreated the conversation, how they came up. Yeah. How they <laughs> what do you want to do today? Hey, guys, hey guys, let's do this fun activity, but let's, let's make it harder. <laughs> we have all this ice. We should be doing something you know, with it. We're so good at this. Let's not <laughs> And then be. someone's older brother was like, fuck you nerds. And then that's where the fighting came in because yeah. he would just go around and pound them. But why rip off their shirt? Oh, Why is that like a thing? You pull it over their head. Pull it over their head so, so they, they can't, can't see. see so you can. Oh, that's face. dirty pool. It is dirty pool. Yeah. Um, well, they don't necessarily really do that anymore. Like, there's, all, there's a lot more gentlemanly. Like, are they before. still allowing brass knuckles in hockey, or was that, uh, was that <laughs> no, the old days? No, no, that that's, that slap shot and the combination of that movie <laughs> in the '70s. So the Hanson brothers are not playing anymore. Yeah, no, but the, you know what the thing is? Is they they got uh, whenever there's there's an incident in hockey, like something bad happens. These people come out of the woodwork and they start describing hockey like it's 1975. And I sit at home laughing, going, "I wish it was half as barbaric." Like this, ba- <laughs> like it used to be, like there'd be a fight a period. It seemed, or at least a couple fights a game. Now I watch the Bruins games, and you know they go like three games, yeah, without a fight. There'll be you know a couple little pushing and shovings, but uh, well, they get fined probably more now than they did before, right? 
they did they did all of this stuff to the sport to appease these people who criticized it so then they, that those same people could continue to not watch hockey. <laughs> they, they used to be the benches were across from each other so the teams, would, would, they, they could look at each other. So after a shift, if you hated a guy, you'd sit there eyeballing each other. And there was a lot of times they'd come out and just fight center ice. They, they, made, they made them next to each other so they can't look at each other. There's no third man in anymore. You could just used to be, th- you could do third man in, which is basically if the two of us were fighting, you know, I'm going in. Yeah, you could just be. Oh wow, my guy's losing, and then you could just come over and smash. Well, me that's in the when face. I stopped watching. Was after the old. Th- I don't know. What yeah, that- <laughs> you know, what I love is you guys told me in the beginning that you're not sports fans yet. You just went with it. You- well, I'll tell you, and something. you picked them one of the most. Obscure- I find the concept of it interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. It really is fascinating. You got to well, rub your chin. My dad was. Uh, my dad was a professional bowler, so I grew up on the Pro Bowlers tour. So I know about. Oh, okay. I know about that. But uh, he knows about fake sports. Ice. I would love to see. Hey, wait a minute. Why the fuck would you? That's my dad's. um, I'd love to see. I say fucking drop a polar bear on the ice. You know what? Make it challenging. (laughs) Have to skate around a large. One of the largest land predators. Gladiator thing. Yes, yes, yes. Fucking polar bear. Takes a swipe. Are you listening, Gary Bettman? I don't know who that is, but he's probably not. I actually have a good bowling story. A funny bowling story. By the way, before you start that, I should tell people uh, we're sitting here with Bill Burr. <laughs> we're six minutes and 54 in seconds in. And I have not read the description on iTunes. We're somehow to navigate through your computer without looking. Matt, I keep and telling you, iTunes doesn't come in Braille. We might have some visually impaired people who are watching. They don't know who we're talking to, true. so I'm telling them that it's Bill Burr. Bill, I'm Turn sorry to interrupt. Turn on voiceover. Please, please go on with your, uh, with your bowling story. All right, so I... I uh... <laughs> I, I hooked up this girl and, and I, I want, you know, trying to go on a date with her or whatever. Let's get a drink. Let's go to a movie or something like that. And she goes, and then she goes, you don't like bowling? And she was so hot. I was like, yeah, yeah, I love bowling. <laughs> and she looked unbelievably gorgeous when I saw her. And she showed up on the date. She wasn't wearing any makeup. And just the way she was dressed and I could tell I wasn't getting any. And I was so fucking mad. <laughs> I never tried so hard at bowling in my life. And you know, like if you know, if you, you think you're getting laid, you're like, you, you know, you'd back off or something. I yeah. didn't. I fucking destroyed her. I went <laughs> One by like like fifty pins, and she was doing that female stuff like just the body language and shit. Where I know she was just like, God, you're not gonna let me win and ease up, dude. I it's the best game I ever had. I had four strikes, <laughs> four fucking strikes, and I was bowling a straight ball. And this is the thing too. I'm right-handed. They were hitting on the left side of the front pin, and they were somehow knocking down. I was like, I was willing it to happen. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. So then after that. Did she? <laughs> she did she feel? Uh, did you uh, conquer her into submission, or was she like, "Well, I'm never"? No, I, 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 Once I knew, I, I felt it was going that route, and the fact that she didn't have the decency to dress, like she even gave a fuck, and I was paying for this. I, it was all. I, I didn't care at that point. I was like, ah, "Fine, I'll go home and rub one out. I don't give a shit." And right. I just, I just plowed ahead. By rubbing and, one out, you mean? Yeah, jerking off. Yes. Yeah. And by jerking off, you mean? Sex, sex by myself. Sex by myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Table for one, please. Yeah, but it's like it's like when you know you're gonna get fired, so you quit. Or so it was, it was and then you jerk off lines. outside yeah. the boss's office. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I was beating her to the uh, when you know I was almost doing like, well, fine, I don't want to hook up with you either. It was very childish. You know what? I'm going to watch you anyway. I love, Check this out. I love that philosophy. I think if more people adopted the philosophy of it, well, fuck it. I'll just go home and rub one out. I feel like we would be a lot healthier as a society because then we wouldn't get so caught up in all that. You could have easily gotten caught up. Caught, caught up. Caught up. You, yeah. you could have gotten caught up in that. Up. <laughs> Sorry. No, well, believe me. It took like 50 times of that happening before I finally smartened up and... Uh, I was just like, oh, okay, I see what this is. So you is. just whipped it out in the car. That's what you mean, he's smart. No, I went and I got home. I went, oh. I went home. Wasn't there a story about that? Somebody accused somebody of doing that? And the guy's like, no, I was like scratching the inside of my leg. This guy was driving down the street and said, he said this other guy was jerking off and he called the cops. 
So then the guy said, like, going, no, I wasn't. And the guy was like, <laughs> case yeah, yeah, you were. <laughs> I got pulled over right after the, uh, the uh, cell phone law started in California. I got pulled over. I had a ear infection. I was kind of like lightly trying to scratch my ear and appease the itch without like making it too painful. And I got pulled over when I was driving just because the, th- the cop thought I had like the phone up to Did my you ear. Show he's, like, he's like, you were on your phone. I was like, no, I wasn't. And then I had to show him that my antibiotics... Show him your, your pussy ear infection. My pussy bleeding ear. Why can't you just be like, no, I wasn't. It's your word against mine. I mean... I, I, I have a, in, a very big fear of cops. I hate cops so much. You don't hate them. Do you guys know that comedian? What about, a, Samo- what about a Samoan cop? What would that do to you? That would just be growing up. All right. I remember like, there was times where I got pulled over. It's like, uh, you freaking howly kids. You know, like that. Like I would just get pulled over for being white. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Why, man? Why, why people have it tough? You guys, it's like we're constantly being harassed. Yeah, we're being profiled racially, terrible. and it's really tough. I remember one time this kid was trying to tell me, like, he's like, you don't know what it's like growing up Mexican in California. I was like, I bet it sounds a lot better than growing up white in Hawaii. Which oh, is what it was damn! My life, yeah. flippity flop. Did he? Yeah, I was surprised. I thought of it that quick too. At the did time. he understand what you were talking about? No, or? he had no idea. Oh, okay. So it takes a lot for someone to realize I'm from Hawaii and what do accept you mean? that it's a vacation spot. Exactly. Yeah, how did you end up there? Uh, military uh, brat? No, no, that's what everyone assumes. Uh, thanks for throwing brat in there. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I meant to say military. Okay, did, did one of your ancestors conquer that place and <laughs> slave the local Hawaiians? Uh, no, uh, my ancestors on my dad's side of the family uh, came over. Uh, they were one of the first immigrants to come and work on the sugar cane plantations in the uh, late 1700s. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You come from the bottom of the barrel of white people, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Azorian Portuguese people. Azorian Portuguese people. On Take the way. that, Mexicans. I, I, come, I think that's what we I just got. I come from a long line so of indentured servants. <laughs> Alfreds, all of us. <laughs> now, listen. I, you know, you you uh, you pointed out that Matt Myra sitting right here was wearing a NASA shirt when we came in. Yes, I am. Uh-huh. This sort of loops back to the fact that I first met you when my buddy Mike Furman and I opened for you at the Houston Improv like four years ago. Oh, that's right. And we went to we went to the Johnson Space Center. Oh, that's um, a good one. I didn't think it was a good one because the inside of it, it just it felt like it was just for kids. So there was all these things to. I mean, like you, I saw the inside of a shuttle, and yeah, great, but. It got. It was. We had. It, we were so kind but of. They have one of the Apollo capsules there. I think fourteen is there. Well, we didn't. We and we didn't. We also didn't take the tour of the grounds. Uh, but there was so much like jungle gym to it that we yeah. literally put on the the little audio tour. And you know, you punch up on the audio tour numbers, and it'll tell you about whatever you're standing in front of. We would just walk up in front of trash cans and hit like 14, and it would be like, "This is the module where the astronauts showered every day in space." <laughs> we just literally were standing in front of trash cans and vending machines, trying to make it fun. Space showers are impossible. It's gravity. Just, <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm, I'm I am worried about it's it. About the sports, All right, well, I, I guess I guess I won't go to that. I was I was just, thought you were going to be able to like, crawl into one of the. Uh, the, the, the space capsules, there, whatever you call them, the things at the top of the rocket, a couple of janitors. I think they're called it. flippity-doos, right? Is that true? Flippity-doos? flippity-doos? yeah. You know, Houston was originally, they were going to put it in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Kennedy was going to have everything there. And then when Kennedy died, uh, Johnson was like, we're moving it. Wait, Kennedy died? Come on. Do you break this out on, like, first dates? I third dates, sort of like, third dates, because by the third, third date, date they're in anyway. I've already she's uh, she's just started loosening the restraints. Yeah. And I, know, I feel on dates though, you kind of got to let it let it loose early you gotta, on. Yeah, I'll you know, figure. if there, if like if there's any hope, I'll show up in my NASA t-shirt. 
Yeah. Will you show up in a in your in a, like an astronaut suit in a flight suit? If they made them big enough, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Did they do that to discourage oh large astronauts? God. I was a, when I was a kid, I was always like, I'll never get to go to space camp because I'm so fat. Jesus Aww. Christ! That's what I always used to think. I also wanted to go on double dare really bad, but I thought I would get stuck in one of the obstacle courses. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You can read about it. You can read about it in Matt Myra's new autobiography, Too Fat for Double Dare. Uh, super sloppy Double Dare, though. You can squeeze through with all that shit all over. So what did you do? stuck in the sandwich. Did you, did you, try, did you like, what, start play? working out, or you just said, fuck it, I'm going no, I hell-bent played, yeah, for I ring played, dings? I played baseball and, and football. Like, I don't know. I, I've always been... How old were you when your astronaut dream died? That's really uh, sad. Let's explore this pain. 12, maybe? I 12. was like, hmm... Can I pitch something? Can yeah, I pitch something for the next generation? Fat astronauts. <laughs> fat astronauts. <laughs> Can we pitch fat astronauts? I think we should. I'm into it. Just like, you know, like uh, rec- recliners in space. And I also, also wanted to go on guts, but I thought I'd never make it up the aggro crag without dying. I don't know what any of those words were. That's uh, another game show for kids on Nickelodeon. Did you grow up in Scotland? Because that sounded... <laughs> See, I heard the word crag. And aggro. Um, I anyway. just did a gig over there. You went to Scotland? Yeah. Where did, where, did you I go to London, Edinburgh? Then I did Dublin. Then I went over to Glasgow. You went to Glasgow? Yeah. That's like thug capital of... of That's what they said. I, I found them, you know, I didn't find them to be crazy. I th- thought they were uh, rather polite. My feeling, though, is that... And I, I've, I've talked about doing comedy in England before. I did it once and the crowd was very aggressive. Did you find your crowds were aggressive in London? I found they... in London that they were one of those crowds where, first of all, London, I guess... They take everything as a rhetorical question. <laughs> and they so, answer you back. When I was asking them if they had squirrels over there, I was legitimately asking because I hadn't seen one. And then I found out later that they had red squirrels over there. And then some asshole brings over the gray ones from the States, you know, trying to get pussy, right? <laughs> oh, look what I got. Something new. I've been somewhere. And then I guess they were beating the shit out of the red ones. So then they said to protect the red ones. And uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm I talking about. Squirrels are a great way to get pussy. I, pussies. I remember a British all family All the pussies. Really... Do you want to go out and get some pussies, Jonah? I want to get all the pussies. Tonight, Every pussies. Guys. We got to go out to those clubs and get all the pussies. We have to get so much pussies. Uh, I, I've never done... I've been to the Edinburgh Festival. Um, mm-hmm. and, but uh, I almost... There was almost a language barrier because the, the, the accent was so thick that yeah. I couldn't understand like half the But they can like, understand the you... The way you speak, they, they would be able to understand it because they watch the news and stuff. Yeah. And it's like those guys speak, what is that, career speech is what they call it. You don't, you sound like you're from nowhere. I'm not saying you sound that way, but you're close enough. Like when I listen to you, I don't know where you're from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, I'm, in, I, was, I was born in Kentucky and raised in Tennessee. Jesus, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, you, should, you wouldn't want to hear I was hyping my Kentucky gigs no. on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a bad mood. Listen up, assholes. Nah, I was like, I know I'm not going to be standing there in overalls with wheat hanging out. <laughs> I Go put on. my flyers inside vaginas so people's families would come out because that's the only way they're going to see anything. Yeah, that's Tell me about, uh, I want to hear about comedy in, in Glasgow because um, I feel terrified to go perform over in, in, uh, in Great Britain anymore. Nah, you shouldn't be. Really? Yeah. It's, it's no. all right. Well, what, what's the worst they're going to do? No, not. Yeah, that's what you always got to think. Murder. They yell something Murder. at you, and they're always going to be wearing something stupid, or they, they're, or they're gonna like, they're gonna have a big head. They're gonna have something that you can go off. Particularly on. in Great Britain. Yeah, and, it, and they're it's gonna just have like, fucking drive-in movie foreheads. Yeah, I mean that's where I got mine from. But it's Me like too. they. I'm not saying like specifically like like London. I'm just saying that any crowd that 
that that messes with you is is there's gonna be something that you can say back to them. And generally speaking, the whole crowd is on your side, right? Unless you do like the Apollo or something like that, where it's actually that's part of the experience. Where you know, if if you you go there to see, you did know, you ever do the Apollo? Yeah. Oh my God, what was it like? I survived it. That's the only way to describe it. I I didn't get booed. I did I did well. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like killing for a white dude. Well, first of all, do no. There's no. There's white guys who've absolutely destroyed on it. But I did. I went out and uh, I that I didn't get. Like I went out there thinking, don't get booed, don't get booed, don't get booed. Now you're not going to be performing your best, um, thinking that type of stuff. You know, and a couple people before me had gotten booed, and. Uh, yeah, it was one of those things where I was standing on the side of the stage going, why? I really didn't need to do this as far as my white guy journey to trying to get a half hour on Comedy Central. But it was just something I, I wanted to do as a comedian just because it scared the hell out of me. And I and I and that's the one thing I hate the most of being on stage. I hate being scared because then you're on your heels, then you're not being yourself, and then you hate yourself mm-hmm. going home. And it's like, wait, I do this to fill me up. You know, like this is what makes my day worth it. And if and I got, you know, if I go on stage and I'm sitting there like, hey guys, how are you? You know, and just, oh, it's the worst feeling ever. So I just was like, all right, I'm just going to drive right into the storm here. And, you know, you know, and believe me, I, I, I got humiliated a lot, but it, but it definitely made situations like going to London, Dublin and Scotland. And even though people were going like, oh man, you know, I mean, all I knew about Scotland was Braveheart and uh, train spotting. Mm-hmm. So that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all I was picturing was some drunk guy throwing a bottle and it lands on some woman's head and everybody right. laughs and oh, continues Sc- on. Scrooge McDuck also. Well, don't, don't, don't forget about, uh, you know, <laughs> Scotland, the thing I learned about train spotting is that uh, babies crawl on ceilings. Oh, yeah. uh, Scottish, Scottish toddlers. That's, uh, that's well, only when the drugs are really good. Though. Yeah, yeah. They like to die and crawl on ceilings. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated that you did the Apollo, and um, and I love the idea of. What's interesting is like the longer I've been doing comedy professionally now since '99, right. and I'm kind of getting to that point where, and maybe maybe you will, maybe you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you do. You've been doing it longer. How long have you been doing it? Like t- eighteen. Eighteen years. You can have what people will perceive as a good show, and you can still feel really awful about it if you feel like you got scared or you feel like yeah. you didn't. You didn't kind of pull out of yourself whatever you wanted to pull out, but then you can also have shows where the crowd isn't into you. But if you feel like, well, I did every, I, I did everything I would want to do, you can still feel okay about it. Yeah, if, it, if it's a bad setup or if they're morons, which very rarely will I just say the entire crowd is morons. But there, there's certain times, like um, you know, I used to do like all kinds of different rooms and i found in some of those those uh what they call uptown rooms wouldn't be an all-black crowd sometimes if you just got a really like uh specific demographic it was almost like going up in front of a bunch of rednecks it was the Mm -hmm. reverse of it like the really really redneck crowd wants to hear you talk about you know having a fucking you know a car in a bathtub right. on your on your front lawn, and if and if you're not talking about that, they don't want it. Then they don't give a shit. They right. don't want to hear. And I found in some of those rooms it, uh, that you would go in that if if you were like as a white guy, the the point of view you could be, you could be the white guy trying to act black, or you could be the white guy talking about how scared you were being up there. Mm-hmm. And but if you actually went up there and tried to do bits. And like, like we're going, like talking about whoever was president at the time, mm-hmm. you were just instantly considered corny, and everyone would, you know, 
you know, either not paying attention all the way to throw shit at you, depending <laughs> on how bad it those, was. Uh, those black neck rooms are rough. Can we call them black necks? Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know. Rednecks. I don't know what you call. Oh, no. I, I think it would be the equivalent. Well, you said, but you it, should but, be able to because it's not malicious in what you say. I mean, red, redneck should be a, should be be. A, be a I, I I shit on rednecks constantly, and I and I I feel bad for doing that because. I mean, it, they were people that I grew up with. You know, my dad owns a bowling center in Memphis, Tennessee. So then Tennessee. don't you have the right to do it? I feel you like I... And I can say it, people, because I was a redneck. Yeah, exactly. I feel, I, feel, I feel like I do. But where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up outside of Boston, the suburbs. And I always make sure that I say the suburbs. Have you found since Goodwill Hunting came out, everybody's like, South Boston? Yes. Were you a genius Southie? with the mop? No. No, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's the name of your new I book. Genius with the mop. Yeah, what? And Fat Astronaut. What about, fat, fat Astronaut. Fat Astronaut. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and there's actually, a, I think, a your, cartoon I think your book was called so. Too Fat for Double Dare. Uh, I think that's what it was oh, called. Right. Adult Swim Dude, Fat Astronaut. There's, Let's do there's it. Astronaut. astronaut. Let's fat do astronauts. It. Let's do it. Astronaut. All right. I said lunch, would not root lunch. For you. <laughs> that was from, that was oh, from wow. Far Out Space Nuts. Space Nuts. I yeah, remember that. Far Bob Denver's. Yep, and Chuck McCann. Yep. It's an astronaut's favorite meal of the day. Launch. It sure is for some reason that I don't know. Are you on the road a lot now? Uh, I'm on the road uh, in a good way. Like every other week, I'm on uh, I'm on the road, and that's great because I still love it, and I still love uh, performing live and that that type of stuff. You know, I moved out here to L.A. to try to do like movies and mm-hmm. that type of stuff, just to figure out what the hell the next step was. But um, this is this is how the road works for me. If 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 I have a week off in between each gig. I'm excited to go to the next one. But if I start doing back-to-back weeks, I want to kill myself, and I wonder why I didn't just open a hardware store. (laughs) There's really no happy medium. Like, I actually flying back, for you listeners who've never flown L.A., it's like 17 hours or something once you go through all customs and that shit. So I actually took two weeks off in between. I I have a ridiculously awesome life where I don't have a boss and I can do whatever the fuck I want. I play drums and guitar. Well, but you also, but you also living the life. You're living the life, people. You're pretty, uh, but you're pretty. Uh, you seem pretty grounded, though. Like you don't seem like a like. I mean, the, there's a few fuck up comics in our business. That, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and you know, and it's nice. It's nice to it's nice to meet someone that doesn't feel like ah, i gotta be a tortured asshole and addict everyone like you well know, also you're judging me on like 20 minutes of your podcast if you talk to my girlfriend in the other room she'd be like you know she'd probably tell you some other things listen but, any relationship when you open up the yeah. curtain and look what's back there you're gonna see sides <laughs> of people you don't like but when firm and i opened for you it was awesome and but um but no, you know what i realized though that really made me like like it was a nice bucket of cold water to the faces. I remember one night I was sitting here and I was watching them. They were selling uh, these tapes of the Oscars, mm-hmm. like classic Oscars, which was hilarious to me. Because right. yeah, like, remember when you know, the nude man ran behind David? Yeah, Niven? it was all that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff, like the 1991 Oscars, and what I. They showed one from Life like. Life is beautiful. Yeah, I walked yeah. on the seats. That crazy ID. Yeah, and it was like one of those deals where they showed one from only 12 years ago, and the amount of presenters that I was looking at, like, who is that guy? Or, oh my God, what happened to her? And it's like, these people were presenters on the biggest night in entertainment, and 12 years later, it's like, I remembered who they were because I actually watched them, but somebody who's like 20 years younger than me was probably like, you know, five or seven years, they have no no idea who they are. I saw Candace Bergen was the one that I saw from Murphy Brown. She yep. was huge. Yep, yeah, she's she was huge. huge, and she was a presenter, and now... You know, I'm not shitting on her or anything, but it's just like, so there's no, like, if you sit there and, and like, 
you're already going to end up on the scrap heap at some point. They're going to this business is going to be done with you whether you like it or not. So the more you're a, a decent guy and not an asshole, the longer you can sustain it. But a lot of people forget that. And the other great thing about comedy is I feel like I mean maybe I just don't understand how it works cuz I'm not older, but I feel like as long as you're funny, you can keep fucking working. Like it doesn't matter really yeah. what you look like how you age like as long as you can be funny you can still perform for people i i do think it's important though that you, you have to keep up on what the kids are into you can't be so out of t- i'm not saying like go out there and try do a college gig and try to dress like you're fucking still in college like i've seen those guys you know a baseball cap on backwards and they're like fucking 42 <laughs> are you talking about joe rogan <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i love joe yeah nice um and he also can fucking twist me to a pretzel he could so. twist everyone into a yeah, pretzel i think yeah half of the fucking comedy club at once but um <laughs> no it's one of those deals where like uh you still like i'm gonna be 42 but like when i go to do a college like i kind of have an idea at least a, a grasp of what they're kind of listening to and that type of stuff. And then I just, but I still look at it from a 42-year-old's right. point of view. I usually just go there and give them advice. Like, especially if I do like, if I do like a, a, like a, a, a state school or something like that, I'm like, you guys did it right. You did it right. Like, like if I have a kid someday, I'm telling them to go to like community college. Go to community college. You, you'll, be, you'll be able to pay it off yourself. Yeah. You know, and then find three other motivated fucking people and start your own business. Do that. These these people, like, I feel bad for these kids. They go to these schools. They come out. They're like over a hundred grand in debt. You should you should have a house, and you yeah. got you got a you got a piece of paper. Ninety one thousand dollars. No, yeah, yeah. ninety one grand. And look at you. Yeah, but but you're sitting <laughs> here with a NASA fucking shirt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You never yeah, became writing, an astronaut. Matt's writing three books that That's we've right. learned. Um, Come on. So far. Yeah, but you could have done that. Did you need them? <laughs> Did you need them to draw it out of you? And not only that, but you know, you're coming. You're coming out of university with you know, you know, hundred thousand dollars in debt, and you and you sort of have these nebulous degrees like business, yeah, economic. You're like, I mean, or I digital media production. I had yeah. I had a mass communications degree. That's oh. what I, with with a uh, focus in radio. Yeah, my brother has. If there was any, I went to Emerson College. Uh, if there was any person that could have skipped college, it was me. <laughs> I could have totally skipped. It's like yeah. nobody in radio went to. I guess some, like some of the, the broadcasters, I guess did. But I'm just saying the amount of guys who like uh, I don't know how it works now because Clear Channel owns everything. But back I, in the back I, in the day, people used to just call in. You did wacky voices, and all of a sudden, you you were the Billy West on whatever. I, wor- I worked. Show. I, I, I worked. I worked in radio in L.A. I worked at K Rock for three years, and then and the reason that I got on K Rock is because I went on the morning show to promote a TV show I was doing, and the, they just offered me a job. Like it was literally. If I had gone to broadcast school and done the whole thing, I don't think I ever would have worked there. It was total happenstance. Yeah. That I, I ended up getting that job. Dude, they were trying to teach us how to make audition tapes and you were learning how to edit them and do all that. It was all it was all bullshit. And what, what people should understand about the business is, you know, like like uh paying a shitload of money for headshots and the acting class and all that. I mean, to a degree I guess some of that stuff is good, but if you send your headshot to a casting director, yeah. It's not, that it ends up in a bin, and you know I don't mean to shatter they, people's dreams. They write dreams. their lunch order on the back. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Or if it's, uh, you know, or they'll make fun of it. 
Right. Like I know so many people that work in casting offices that they find the worst ones that get sent in and they bring them home. That's and why everyone laughs at that's them. That's why it's really important when you're making it's a headshot, horrible. do four four panel headshots. Yeah, exactly. One picture of you in glasses so you look smart. One then with one, a sailor cap. one with a sailor cap and then one with some sort of sporting equipment. Let's say mm. uh, you put, um, I don't know, a hockey mask over a baseball bat and sling yeah. it over your shoulder just to let them know that you can mix it up uh, a little bit. How many times I've seen that headshot? <laughs> that was the standard. I have, I have a book called uh, Faces International. And Faces International, I think, got put out of business for... I think there was... Please don't sue me if you work for Faces International. I don't know if the story is true. There was something shady going on, but essentially, it was a, a magazine of headshots... So they would charge people, and people would buy pages or quarter pages or whatever. And it was just, from the 80s, it was just all these bummer headshots of people, these just poor, desperate people. And they thought they were going to make it. Thought they were going to make it by being in the Faces International book. I I have two Uh, copies of it that I've been holding on to for years that are amazing. That's depressing. No, that's not to tell college kids. End up on Tim and Eric, maybe. (laughs) They might. The amount of money that you can make trying to help somebody make it, like the, the people, like people, like web website designers. Yep. Like headshot, and, and like what I love too is like the photographers. There's like open mic photographers. Like if you think you suck at photography, that's okay. Just find people who suck at acting. They don't, <laughs> they don't have any money. And together, you got. Yeah. You know, there you go. You you, you learn. Got you know, shitty together. The best. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if you if you want to do something, if you want to do something crafty, like you know, acting or stand up or whatever, don't fucking go to school. Just start trying to do it. Like you yeah. can't. When people are like, "How do I do stand up?" I'm like, "You do it. You do yeah, it. Write do, five minutes. Go do it a hundred. Go do it a hundred. Louis. It, years and years and years ago, um, Louis Anderson gave me the best advice Dude. I ever got. Which was, uh, what'd you say? Feud. That's okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, he said that I should get together with my family and try to pick the top five answers out of 100 people surveyed. They're on the board. No, he said, he said uh, go out and do 100 shows and then come back and see where you're at. You know, because you, you have no idea who you are until you get up on stage 100 times. That's when you kind of oh, start yeah. seeing who you are. When did you know, like, what, what was, the, what was the, the, the aha moment for you in stand-up? Oh, I had a, I had a zillion of them. Uh, it was all baby steps. I remember in the beginning, I was so afraid. My biggest fear was, how am I going to get the mic out of the mic stand? Because I had never done it. <laughs> and I was convinced I was going to pull it out and the plug was going to come out. And everyone was just going to laugh at me and I'd have to live with my parents for the rest of my life. Like I, <laughs> that, that, that my one fear moment. is putting it back in. I'm always like, it's going to be so loud. It's going to be so distracting. It's going to go, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that was like a big hurdle when i finally took it out of the mic stand and then what's funny like i have like some some of the old vhs tapes i have in there of me doing stand-up it's fucking hilarious because i am pacing the stage back i don't stop moving at any point it's all nervous energy and none of my movement enhances the joke it's actually so distracting to watch i can't even believe i got any laughs like i would just be like it was like i was on coke I'd be like, yeah, so my dad was crazy. And when I was a kid, I had a paper route. And I would just be, just, and like, just be, like, pour, 10 minutes set, I would be pouring sweat. Did you start in Boston? Yeah. Started at Nick's Comedy Stop on uh, Warrington Street, which still semi exists. They still have this sign, but it's really this Euro trash club. And they just wait for the comedy to end and then people start dancing. So it's kind of sad. <laughs> it's like on life support. It's like when you just fucking uh. sign the papers and. Put it out of its misery. I did. I did some comedy venue in Monterey, California, and uh, 
it's the second the stand up is done they they put these fucking dance poles up on the stage yeah. and it turns into a nightclub that was and almost, so that the, was a, at the ends of the shows are people starting to come in for the nightclub thing so it was it's just like it was almost what happened to comics after your set the last night when it just turned into a nightclub with the loudest music ever it did oh, yeah. oh yeah. downstairs oh, yeah. yeah it turned it was a club well it was like the dj was spinning downstairs but everybody was upstairs yeah. but it was so funny and i go downstairs i go downstairs at comics and uh, it's all uh, black folks, and then and then Matt's cherubic little face <laughs> just in the middle, smiling, you know, and he just waves. Hey, it was awesome. They were still giving us free drinks down there. Yeah, they were. It was awesome. <laughs> well, this was. is where this is at comics in New York. There's a little. There's, there's, a, little, there's a downstairs. There's a downstairs. They call it's it a small... Ochi's Lounge. It's like an alt room. It's like they'll have they have like open mics and like kids put on like small oh, little shows Jesus. down there. But it was a dance club this this, oh. this Saturday night. I yeah. never go. There. I have my loyalty is, is at at Caroline's. They start. They headlined me when I used to draw like eight people, and they had to pull the curtain. Yeah. So you wouldn't see the cavernous emptiness of the of the of the room. So that's I, that's always like a, a horrible sound. Like I, the only place with the curtain I've noticed is at the Improv in Hollywood, where it's just like you know it's like you know the show's kind of underway, and they realize no more people are showing up, so you hear that. <laughs> I would know. Well, no, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like the best thing you could do is give give them a fucking can of WD forty and like, could you please yeah, just yeah, grease like, the squeaking parts <laughs> so you don't yeah. hear that? Yeah, pull up, pull up, pull up. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, what's what's sort of your? I mean, because you're one of those comics that, and I, I don't know if I'm sure you must have some idea of this, but you're one of those comics that other comics will come back into the room to watch because you have. And it was actually really inspiring for me to see like four years ago, and I feel like to a degree. Why are you making squeak noises with your pee popper? It's wobbly, and so I was trying to fix it, and I realized it's. I'm in the, forget I, it. I'm sorry. I'm in the middle of a really serious I'm deep sorry. moment here. I know. Bill Burr, really good, inspiring. Let's go. No, no, you help me. All right, help we're me. back this on track. This is the worst part ever. Taking compliments. <laughs> we're back, Thank we're back you. on track. How did you get so awesome? Well, <laughs> funny <laughs> story. But, awesome one, in fact. But, <laughs> you, were, you were one of those people that made me realize, like, oh, you can have. And I, it it sounds obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me as much before. But you know, you can have these runs where you're just punching the audience like five or six times in a row with like five or six quick tags uh, right. on something. I mean, did you start off that way? What's your what's your process? Well, that that sort of run thing was just that was the Boston style when I came. Like Boston is really rapid, rapid pace pacing. Like uh, guys like uh, Don Gavin, Kevin Knox. Um, of course, I'm spacing now, and all the guys. It's been so long ago when I worked, but all that's those, right. We have uh, a fat astronaut. Oh, yeah, but all <laughs> those guys. All you want. He'll take up most of it. <laughs> those guys, like oh, really, Jonah. Sorry. Like Boston Too comedy far. was was, okay. was was all about. Am I even like answering this question? You guys, <laughs> yes. you guys are just like making noises in the background. Oh, we're listening. It was all. It was all about like just it, just fucking destroying the crowd, killing as hard as you could possibly kill. That's what it was all about. And they also really policed people. If, if you stole jokes. You'd get, you'd get, you know, when I came up, you'd get banned from the club. And back in the day, you'd get the shit kicked out of you and you would get banned. So I, that was the crazy 80s. I came up in the early that's, 90s. That's good, though. It was great. It was great. And it should be done more out here, if you know what I mean. Is that, is that, did Rogan come from Boston? Is that, is that why? Rogan did come from Boston. He's really nice. Um, and I'm going to tell him what you said, Jonah. No, I just, backwards hat. He wears it like that. Okay, good. I uh, like Joe Rogan. No, no, no. I don't think you did. I thought, I think you have an issue with him. <laughs> no, I do not. Well, we yeah. can clear Maybe it up when like he comes because, on. Like, you know, what, what was he saying during the break? Something about, you know, he, we, did, he, we haven't had a break, Bill. We've been, <laughs> we've been recording the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. We did it at the break because what you said about Joe was so, it was so horrendous. <laughs> and then when you, 
you know, mixed martial arts, what you said about that was just... Oh, I don't I even know what that even, means. Man, put him in a Kimura? What's, what's I mean, wrong with you? Jonah, I don't think the term MM gay is really appropriate. Guys, I am uh, a big fan. I love Joe right. Rogan. No, Joe Sweet, he's actually going to come on, so you guys can work it out. But, um, <laughs> but I, but but I do like the, I I love that style because I'm not like a quick one or two line joke writer, and so that style feels very comfortable for me to just keep like tagging tagging stuff out. Well, this was the thing. Well, back then they they also used to paper the room, so it was just like like Nick's was basically 400 seats of angry, drunk Boston people who didn't pay for the show and already felt like they won when they walked in the door like, can you believe this? I never won anything in my life. So they would just get hammered. And I remember Kevin Knox, we used to go up on his show and Kevin Knox was one of these guys where he, we used to joke he didn't host the show. He took like breaks from killing. He would just be absolutely destroying and then you'd come up there with your eight minutes material and basically... It was like riding a, one of those giant waves and, and trying not to fucking... You just tried to ride it to, to and, and just survive is basically what you did. But So what I learned in Boston was how to kill in front of a big crowd. But then I went down to New York and New York was this whole leaning on the mic stand and, and, uh, and just sounding like you were just talking to the crowd. And that was a huge adjustment because... My act, I could if if the crowd club was packed, I could destroy. But if I went down there and there was only eight people there, and I had my sweaty big, big crowd energy, yeah, my sweaty back and forth. My dad was crazy. Going, it, it looked bizarre, and I fucking would bomb like you wouldn't believe. And it it, it took a while to like learn how to do it. And uh, the only guy I've ever seen come in with like high energy in front of a small crowd and kills one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in comedy this comedian Gary Valentine oh I know Gary yeah Kevin James brother hilarious guy right and uh, I was sitting at the back of the comedy cellar still at the point where I was just watching guys trying to get on and he and, and there was like literally like like I think like six or seven people in the crowd and they were just you know there was like three people then two people one it was it was disgusting night and uh, and I watched like all these comedians come down how they dealt with it Daryl Hammond was hilarious. He would tell the joke, and when he was done telling it, people would laugh, but there was so few people, and then he'd just throw his head back, almost like a kid. He's like, <laughs> <You're> like this. <laughs> and then he'd go into his next one. But Gary went up there, and you would have thought it was a jam-packed uh, crowd, and, but he went up there and was having so much fun and had that fucking goofy energy. I've never seen it to this day. He fucking destroyed in front of six people. Like I remember this one guy who was like slumped over Onto the person he was with in front of six people, and he and he and he was he he didn't change his fucking energy, and somehow it worked. It's the only guy I've ever seen do it. That's wow. amazing. I, I love Gary. I've seen. I mean, I although I, I feel like I haven't seen him for a while. Has he been on the road? Do you know? Do you talk to him? Anymore? I think he's been doing like movies, and he was doing King King of Queens when that was on. Uh, I don't know, but I like he's one of those guys. Like, what sucks about when you finally end up headlining is you don't get to work with all the guys that you loved coming up. And then also you don't see your friends and everything. And I was just thinking, the last time I think I worked with him was in, uh, was in Vegas. He had, for a couple of days, he, he filled in for, for uh, this headliner who'd booked some stuff. So he just came in for a couple of days and he was just the greatest guy ever to hang out with. He was like, like uh, one of those comedians where you talk about where offstage they're not like morose. Right. He was just fucking hilarious and uh yeah huge fan of that guy i saw him fuck with an old lady at the hollywood improv and he was he was just down there this little gray-haired lady sitting in front 
Which, yeah, I'm going to say I think maybe they shouldn't have sat a little old lady in the front of the right. room, but that's just my opinion. And, uh, and he was up in her face, and he was like, oh, like pretending he was going to make out with her. <laughs> but he, he was way committing to it. Like, he wouldn't let it go. And it finally got to the point where <laughs> someone in the back of the room just had this really organic reaction of, Come on! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's his thing. I think that's you. You stum- stumbled on it. They totally committed. He's that's so what good. he did when he went at six people. Like you, you would have thought, like uh, fucking Lauren Michaels was in the crowd, <laughs> and he was like, "This is it. If I don't kill on I'm this swinging one, swinging for over. the fences tonight." Yeah. And there were so many other guys who went up that night and just gave into the fact that there's only six people. This sucks. Yeah. And uh, interestingly enough, every, the, all the people who didn't that night all went on to do shit, you know? Well, you know, but I think it's an interesting exercise because I feel like the comic, um, part, part of the comic gut reaction is to, or for me in my early days would have been to point out what a crappy situation it was. And then it's just sort of right. like, well, why, why, tell the, why blame the people in the audience that there's right. not more of them there? You, you become know? the Catholic priest. Exactly. Just giving people shit. You That's know? exactly right. And you molest and then, the couple, And then they huh? feel bad. Hey, now. Hey. They hey. Oh. <clears throat> Fucking right, a kid in the hand. I forgive you for that. Uh, oh, you guys like hipsters? You can't do anything in the news? Nothing like top topical? No, no I'm just I'm bad at writing think. topical stuff. I just don't I just don't write well, that's not true. I do the Chelsea show a lot and I, I I'm so I write a lot of topical stuff for that, but I, I write just, ma- oh sorry. I just you just I, I don't mater- gravitate towards it. <laughs> I write material so slowly is that like if by the time I come up with a good joke that has something to do with the topic, like it's already passed and I, uh. I can't keep up. I'm currently writing a new hour, and when I write the new hour, anything's fair game. And the amount of topical horseshit in my act right now, Tiger Woods, that woman who got ate by the whale at SeaWorld. <laughs> I mean, anything, you know. I don't know why I'm not talking about that jackass in the Prius who couldn't stop. But right. I'm not saying I won't in Atlanta next week. <laughs> Where are you gonna, oh, yeah, we should promote dates. Where are you going to be in Atlanta? Uh, I'm gonna be at the punch. I'm gonna be at the punchline, and I'm actually I'm going to the Masters on Sunday because I fucking knew Tiger was gonna play. You're going to the Masters. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So what are the dates? This might go up after your Atlanta dates. Well, what's today's date? Today's the, March twenty. No, it's the thirty first. Thirty first. Thirty first. Tomorrow's the first. Saturday's the third. The seventh, eighth, uh, ninth, and tenth. Of okay. April. Eight, ninth, and tenth if of I'm April. not there, then I'm I'm in Newport, Kentucky, which for some reason is considered the Cincinnati, Cincinnati the, funny the, bone. the funny bone. Yeah, I was there last year. Yeah, it was so. a fun room. I, I yeah, no, no, room. no. I'm, Why do you hate uh, it so much, Bill? <laughs> Why do I? I I don't like performing in malls. <laughs> no, you know what it is. I don't mind the comedy club. Comedy club's great. I hate walking out, and you know, there's like one of those little fucking uh, wagons cell phone things you know it's yeah. right outside it's just it's you know, fucking you know what depressing. they do have though across the little plaza from the the newport funny bone is the uh newport aquarium so if they you're, do if you're a fan oh of, do they if you're a fan of fish then that's a good place to go see them live in their lives it's very in a captive does, does environment it say on any of my my, my wikipedia pages that uh, i i started like nine of them most people start like nine facebook pages i have like nine just so people can't tell which is the truth um, I'm actually terrified of the ocean. Oh, you are? Yeah, absolutely fucking ter- of, terrified. Because of, it. of sea monsters? No, because of the actual monsters, like sharks. No, those, that's what I. That's what oh, I meant. sea monsters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, like I, I swear to God, if I like if I saw a shark, I think I would just fucking swim right at it, Did just Jaws to just to get it? just to get it over, over with. No, yeah, Jaws came out when I was like in second grade, and. Uh, 
what else? Just fucking. I, I read a bunch of classic books, um, and uh, like everything back there was like Mutiny on the Bounty. Everything was out at sea and all the fucking horrific shit that happens at sea. Scurvy and all this shit. Also, every night before I, I went saw, to bed, my mom would say, "The ocean will kill you." Uh, Good night, and then uh, yeah, just the, 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 I, literally the fucking the water alone the can you know, kill you. Current, I, current. yeah. I used yeah, to I used to have weird brutal. nightmares as a kid about being suspended over large bodies of water, and they freaked me out because. It made me feel so tiny and insignificant, like, you know, yeah. that you would just get swallowed up and for, that's it forever. And I also don't like that you can't see, like, I'd rather just have a lion charge at me and I could fucking it, see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that shit where you see like the crocodile look at you and then then go under the water <laughs> and then gone and yeah, you don't know real... where it's gonna come from. Well, that's the thing yeah. about like in the ocean and the water, like that's that's their territory. They can live there. It's like you're that's you can't do anything. It's a goddamn so. good thing there's no such thing as dirt lions because that'd be really <laughs> shitty if you were just walking across a savanna and a fucking lion burrowed underneath your feet <laughs> exactly. and just like fucking ripped your foot into the earth. Like, have, have you ever seen? Uh, you guys ever see open water? You ever see? Yeah, that? yeah. I was oh. gonna say you shouldn't see that if you're. Yeah, that's a, oh my that's god. Terrifying. Made a sequel out of that too. I, if I was in the this is what I would hope I would do. If I was in that water, I would just keep every five seconds putting my 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 what is, what is it, a snorkel the goggles the goggles in yeah. the water Mask. looking for the shark when it came in and I'd fucking head I'd lead with my jugular. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get this fucking over with. I'm gonna sit there you gnawing on my leg. Another one's eating my hand. Ugh. Yeah, just taking little nips and off. you're drowning. Well, first of all, they come up and they they bite you to see if you're edible to see just see what's yeah. going on. They have a little yeah. taste to you. Yeah. So now you're bleeding in the water. And well, the sharks don't typically like the taste of human meat. Yeah, that's why a lot of people get, get spit back. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. True. So they just sort of gnaw and, and yeah, tear so your you leg just, off. So you just have a cartoon-like chunk out of you, and Ugh. you live the rest of your life like a wily e. coyote. Like the Indianapolis? Yep. What do you mean? <laughs> what? You didn't see Jaws? Anymore? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Sorry. I was thinking about something else. Sharks got a black eye. Lifeless like eye. Like a dog's eye. eye. Y'all know me. <laughs> No, I make a living. What, sorry. Finish it, man. Yeah, I was okay. captivated. I was <laughs> do the whole movie. Okay, uh, y'all know me. No, I make a living. Catching this shark, it ain't gonna be easy or cheap. You know, it was better. You had a better voice the he first did. time uh, around. Now you're blowing through it's, it. It's, you yeah. kind of didn't really. Commit. You don't like the attention on you, do you? You're I like being your a fat wings. astronaut. <laughs> I thought we've established it's Didn't fast or not. <laughs> it is. It is fashion. Okay, turn it into this. Space sharks. Space <laughs> Their sharks. eyes are black like Space a Space sharks. Sparks. God. Now I see you're peeking around Jonah to see what's going on with this I'm, hockey. I can't this believe. Hockey match. Well, let me ask you guys. Can you believe Rod Brindamore is still playing? Oh God, give me a. After uh, all yeah. these decades, <laughs> he must be at least seventy-four. I, I don't know how he's been playing. He's been playing hockey longer than I've been doing stand-up. That's at least 18 years. We know that. At least 18 years. Yeah, I used to play with the Flyers, as they say in Boston. I know. That's a team in Philadelphia. Yeah. What do you you guys know know about this? You know what would be great? Why don't don't one of you start announcing to let your fans know what's going on in this hockey game? Well, the water seems to be frozen, and that makes it a solid (laughs) surface for these people to... It does, Chris. A good thing it's cold enough in that room to keep that solid state. Now, Jonah, I can't help but notice that all the players are carrying sticks, which they're using to bat around a small black device. That's known as the ding-dong, Chris. I'm not sure. Well, it looks like one of the players in the white jerseys has the ding-dong. He's mapping it around a little bit. Those giant ice spatulas they're using are... Scooping it into some type of netted device. Yes, the, the blue and reds are really having it handed it to them. We haven't really divined the whether Canadians. or not 
The uh, oh, they are Canadian. So yeah, through the neutral zone, over the blue line, snapshot. Go and he one. missed the thing that makes the point thing go loud. And now the All right. point. You know thing what? You guys are ruining the, the sport for me. Just stop. Okay. All right. It's over. And it's an exciting point system of one versus one. I know. I want to go get something at Tim Hortons now because that was an advertisement on the side of the. Hockey wall. Tim Hortons is Canada's Dunkin' Donuts. Ah. Yeah. That's another thing, too, is they Why always are we talk. getting a Dunkin' Donuts? Sorry, fat astronaut talking. <laughs> well, God just... damn it, it's Fatronaut. <laughs> fatronaut. What did you think of the people, the shape of the people in uh, in London? I, I, I thought, you know, as much as they shit on us for being out of shape and everything, I thought, not that they were obese, but they were just like, like they were mushy. Well, they're like Southern. They're like Southerners in the sense that you know all their food's fried, and it's you know like they drink a lot of beer and and, and ales, and um, they, they have they have high curls. fat they have high fat diets. You know they have high fat diets over there. They always I always thought like I'd be skinnies. able to really pull in some tail in England. I did. <laughs> I just had this weird fantasy. And I would just go there, and I'd be really attractive to them. Have you done it yet? No, I've never tried it. Oh, have you been working out, Gavna? <laughs> what have I gone back in time to some sort of Dickensian <laughs> prostitute? Why don't, den? why don't you go over there? Because you know, you instantly you have a. Why did I leave? Are you back about to start doing crunches while we're doing the podcast? I'm, I'm gonna, I need to lay. My back fucking hurts. Uh. Um, from talking into a microphone. Are you gonna fucking? You should go over there, man. You're gonna have. Uh, you're gonna have an accent. You, you know what? And your your instinct is gonna be to try to talk like them, but be yourself. No, no, no. I, I will. Thank you for that. Yeah. I do. You're I'm, talking to me like a college kid. That's right. Go to be yourself. That's right. <laughs> there is Drop a hard- out of college, <laughs> and you'll go fly to France. There's a there is a Hardwickshire <laughs> in Northern England. I am I am I am very half English. Uh, there is a Hardwickshire. Oh wow. That I, I feel like I could go and claim it. Do be it. Like thanks Just for holding my castle. Um, do you know, I thought Liverpool was a part of England. No, not part of England. Part of London. Oh no! Then I think they get really mad if you say that to them. Yeah, I really did. I thought it was. I can't always hear the Beatles. Oh, we Liverpool, but I just thought, you know, the Liverpudlians. I thought it was. It was like uh, New Jersey. It's like right across the way. No, or is that like Manchester? Is uh, Manchester like Jersey? No, Manchester is like San Jose, California, from L.A., and then oh. Liverpool I, is like Sacramento. All I know is that if you go... I, it's only the size of California. Here, here, here's, here's what I learned from it's doing comedy. It's a small little tiny. country. Here's what I learned from doing comedy it's in London. Uh, for some reason, and I don't know why, but I went with it because I'm adaptable, it is very funny to say uh, to mention uh, people being south of the Thames. Apparently, if you live in London, they consider that some sort of retard village. I don't um, know. I mean, but I, I don't know. That's the other side of the track. Well, how I don't know if not- that's true. I just know that they would laugh if because so, I heard a couple of comments be like, oh, they're south of the Thames. And they were like, oh, fuck those cunts. And then I don't, but I don't know why. South of the 10 freeway in Los Angeles. <laughs> south of the 10s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, south of the 10s. How is it not the, ta- the Thames? That's how it's spelled. That's what I said. I go, I go is that the Thames River? Like, it's, a ta- it's a Thames, mate. I don't know. And I'm like, all yeah, right. Why aren't books pronounced books? Good point. No. No, it isn't. What? That one doesn't make sense. Well, like Books. Thanks, Matt. Because yeah. look is look. Should be Luke. Yeah, should be Luke. If you're a lion tamer, it's T-A-M-E-R. Maybe you should go the other way around. Maybe should, maybe Boo should be Bo. Whoa. Uh, Fuck, didn't, man. didn't Gallagher do this bit sitting at a school desk? Remember that one? It's interesting oh, you said Gallagher. that. I brought some melons here. It, Jonah, he sledgehammer his, me. His, his father fuck-ups 101 where he did this bit about rearing children anyway i love gallagher when i was growing up that guy had, he watch, had some great bits and this. what killed him was the smash in the watermelons yep. that's all that everybody remembered he actually had like like uh, he had bits i mean shit i mean i'm saying that they're fucking they and you know the and that's an interesting bits, thing as a comic had, had because you feel like 
you do the watermelon thing a couple times, people go nuts for it, and you're like, well, it's drawing people, so naturally I'm going to keep doing it because I want to play these bigger venues and make more money. And then eventually uh, the watermelons go around in a poetic loop and smash <laughs> the actual comedy yeah, that you yeah. were doing. But and that's what's over. funny about Gallagher, too, is that like he gave Gallagher, too, all of the jokes and none of the melon smashing. Gallagher, too, was not allowed to do any of the melon smashing. And that was his brother. Yeah. Wow, oh, that, is that really? <laughs> that's real. Are you really getting yeah. the Are you really getting the best parts there? Like, yeah, you can have this laptop, but there's no hard drive in it. Thanks. <laughs> no, but Thanks. I heard all those guys. I heard Jeff Foxworthy that that you might be a redneck thing with just some stuff he did at the end of his act, and then that became all that he was known for. Yeah. I'm sure Rather, the same thing happened to Larry the Cable Guy. I'm sure that was just a thing that he started doing on the side. That, that get her done thing. Yeah, and a lot of people shit all over that. I don't. You know, it's like, dude, if you figured out a way where you can make like a zillion dollars. And you don't really have a real... I, I don't consider being a comedian a real job. Yeah. Because it's, it's like the amount of time that I can just sit around in my fucking boxers before I actually have to go to work. And, the, you know, only... I, mean, I guess the flying and that type of stuff. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like you won. Yeah. It's great. If you, if you can do it successfully and get people to come out and see you, it's a fucking phenomenal lifestyle. Yeah. Whether your act is a nightmare or not. Now, how do you... <laughs> But how? I'm not saying it's in particular, but there's some people who have made it, and it's just like I can't even watch it. It's just a fucking nightmare. But people enjoy it. So who am I to, uh, you know, take the joy away from those people? Yeah, and I, hate, I you know something I hate when someone looks at somebody doing who's doing some wacky shit or whatever the fuck you want to call it, and then they try to act like it's because of that guy that they didn't make it. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like that dude is not doing anything yeah. anywhere near your act. You yeah, know? the weird he didn't anger take, he that didn't happens take a, a lot out here. It's just like, oh, he got that role. It's like that dude's like completely different. That dude's black. It's the same. It's the same. The same weird kind of human competitive thing where if you hear like, uh, oh, Charlie Theron got married. Fuck, you know, like, <laughs> dude, you're not next on the list. Yeah. Like, it's just like a weird competitive thing that people have. Yeah. How do you? Um, in the, oh, by the way, best hair in hockey, right there, Kerry Fraser. Look at that. Fuck. Who he's needs a, a helmet, helmet when you got that? He's a. That's the. That's. It's so unbelievable. It looks fake. He's. Uh, he's a referee. He's retiring after like 30 years in the league. I remember being in the old Boston Garden, listening to people scream, "Kerry, you fucking suck." He has, a, he has a gentle face and seems like a nice, nice guy. He the does. guy talking to him seems very nervous or just greasy. Well, he's talking to a referee. He feels like he's being judged in ways that he's not aware of. Uh, that's the problem with a judge. You know what? This, any is, type. this is my NASA right here. Like, I'm actually going to watch this interview with an NHL referee. There, see? That's nice. There you go. Really One day nice. we'll go out and try to chase some tail yeah. together. We'll see what happens. Go out and get some pussies. I'll get all those pussies, Bill. Um, Bill, I just a couple quick things before we let you go. Uh, Watch the rest of this. Before uh, you let hockey. me go in my own apartment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just walk around. <laughs> Explore the space. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I love about doing the podcast is going over to people's places. Like we, it's it's just kind of fun to be in their environment and and, and it's just more comfortable. I this think way. you put a new twist on uh, the MTV Cribs, where you go to somebody who really doesn't have a nice place. Audio Cribs. Yeah, Audio Cribs. You do a podcast. <laughs> podcast Cribs. Podcast Cribs. It's yeah. a mashup. I love. <laughs> Oh well, from right here I see Bill Hicks' "Sane Man," which is an awesome VHS, uh, uh, yeah. and then and then a bunch of drumming, a uh, bunch of drumming uh, DVDs. Yep, I've watched all of them, and and I still suck oh, at playing you drums. Have under the table and drumming, Carter Beaufort's drumming thing. Yep, oh, that I, sounds I, like a I actually have, thing. and I told yeah. you I have that one that I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to get him in trouble because I'm a fan of his. It's a VHS 
from the uh, 1970s where he teaches, I mean, 1980s where he teaches you how to play double bass drums while gay bashing <laughs> homosexuals. He was kind of touch- He was talking about like well, one of the questions was why did you start playing double bass? And for the drummers out there, bass. If you don't play double bass, your right foot's on the bass drum, the other's on the hi hat. And you know, for a lot of people, it just sort of sits there. So he was just saying, you know, I was playing the bass drum with my right foot. My left leg was just sort of sitting there. You know, it was just sort of. It was like it was like gay after a while. And like when he said it, I was just like, wow. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. It's the 80s. I guess you could get away with that. I thought it'd be like one little thing. And it literally keeps progressing to the <laughs> well, point. I think, I think the metaphor it's works. like Eddie Murphy's raw. <laughs> I think no, the, meta- no, the, metaphor, the metaphor works in the way that, uh, you know, that like that it's gay in the sense that it's just sitting there not bothering anyone. But he still wants to be aggressive at it for some yeah. reason. <laughs> no, like, you know, you know, like, like gay means like lame now. It also can mean lame. And I really think it's bullshit that, uh, that, that gay people get pissed about that because gay also used to mean like really fucking happy. Yeah. There was a whole It decade. was a name. There, like, hey, people, the, like, pe- people, it was a name. People, like women's name. It was a woman's name. Gay. Yeah. Gay. 90, like, like words change. Yeah. Okay. And you don't own them. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like the Oscars. <laughs> you know, you're the. They're like, they're, it's Candace Bergen now. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> I want to know. And the worst thing you can do is address it and make a commercial like, you know, something. This really annoys us. <laughs> Whatever you do, stop. You know, don't do this anymore. Well, you especially just, with today's internet culture, they'll, they'll just make fifty thousand of the thing that you say is annoying just to oh, fuck yeah. with you, no matter what it is. Oh yeah, I've lived that. Um, <laughs> but I. So a couple things that I want to cover before um, we release you into your own apartment is. Uh, the and I'm sure you've talked about this a lot, but the rant you did at the opening and Anthony thing uh-huh. of was that in was that in Boston? Were you in Boston? No, it, was in our, uh, it was actually in New Jersey, but just outside of Camden, New Jersey, which is right outside of Philly. It was one of the most, and I've watched it a few times. One of the most uh, eloquent <laughs> dicings of any crowd I've ever seen, to the extent that that was ever taped. They fucking like. The fact that you're telling them how stupid they are and they are doubled over laughing. Well, that's what makes Philly. That's what makes Philly great. Is they they would rather have you do that than actually do your act. A lot of them. And this is how crazy Philly is. Everybody else remembers that except for them, like because they <laughs> behave like that on a regular basis. A lot of them. What I want to know what happened. What was going on in your head in the moment? Because. You know, there's, as, as comics, I feel like we have these moments where we're like, am I going to go down this path? No, I'll pull back. What, what clicked in your head that you were just like, it's fucking on, and then you just went? No, it's more like I'm not leaving. I, I think it was because uh, I hate when a crowd has control of a show, and I felt like the caliber of com- comedians that were on that night were, they were getting like, the, the, in my, for my money, there was the best comics that were out. In the business, I mean, it was it was a ridiculous lineup, and they were they were acting like we were a bunch of fucking open micers. I mean, I'm not like they did it to everybody. They booed the first guy, and then I went on like three hours after that. But they they um you know it was not like they booed. Like the, the, one of the things was that people say about that night is that everybody got booed. They didn't. Like the first guy got booed, and that kind of set the tone. For the it was a group of people that, and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and the sun went down, and it just got. It was like outside. It was fucking evil, and and it was one of those deals where, you know, people were going out like really backstage, where where it seemed to me the vibe backstage was like fuck. I gotta I gotta get this crowd quickly, or this is gonna be ugly. And I and that's what I was doing backstage, and it just it pissed me off, where I was just I don't know. 
arrogant in a way. I kind of brought it on myself. Where I was just like, I've been in this fucking business too long <laughs> to have to, 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 to feel like I'm in a bar room right now and I got to fucking impress you. Look at you, you fucking losers. That's what I was thinking about. I was like, I don't even give a fuck. Fuck this show. And then I walked out there and the enormity of the show, there was like 10,000 people. Then all of a sudden I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I better get going here, right? And I went up and I opened with a joke that didn't get a laugh. And then I quickly ran to one that I knew would get a laugh, but they had already been playing it on the radio as a promo. Uh. So they already heard it. And I, I got to like my third punchline. And let me tell you something. They wanted the laugh. They wanted to, because I was one of the bigger guys on the show, mm-hmm. or one of the guys on the show, I should say. Uh, and they wanted, and I fucked up. I fucked up is what happened. And then they started booing me. And I immediately was like, oh my God, Opie and Anthony are going to play this audio of me getting booed. Fight or flight. And, and everybody's going to make fun of me. And I, I, and I was so fucking mad. And I, I just... And I, I'd gotten booed before, so it wasn't a new sound. So I was just like... And I remember <laughs> thinking like all the shit I could have said that night when I, I got booed one time. Uh, I can't remember the fuck I was. I got booed a couple times. And I just remember driving home thinking, thinking of the people in the crowd who booed me. Going, I let that guy boo me. I let her stand up and say that. And I just one of those fucking you want to kill yourself moments. So it's not like I, I said next time that happens, I'm going to do it. It just sort of was in my head. Mm-hmm. And, and it just it came out. It just came out. And the, the whole fucking thing was just sort of spontaneous. It, it, but you can see when you're watching it. And I, it's easily YouTubeable. I just put Bill Burr, Opie Anthony. It's, it's such an organic moment. Like it's the you, Rocky thing I already had. The Rocky thing was the only thing that I already had. But I mean, just the emotion of it was so organic. The way that it unfolds, and you start going down that path, start and then counting it's counting down. Too. Yeah, and then and then it's sort of like, no, I'm not fucking leaving. And then you, it's like you. I don't. How long did that go on? That was 12 minutes. You know when you do like those big shows, like they have the, the clock the, right yeah, there. That, that, yeah. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Is they they have that clock there. Mm-hmm. So I just was doing it. Uh, Here you go seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. going. I like. Yeah, I don't even know why. I don't even know why. I I I was just reaching for shit, and I just I somehow I lucked out. Where it was this, it was there was people from Jersey and New York there, and they hate like they, they're all in the same divisions in all sports, so they fucking don't like each other. Yeah. So they were the first people I got on my side. I think was when I started shitting on Philly's teams. <laughs> they loved it. And, you know, the same way where you, you were talking about, you know, south of the Thames yeah. River, everybody has that. So people in New Jersey shit on Philly. Philly shits on Jersey. Philly doesn't like Pittsburgh. Fucking it's a India. a big triangulation India, of hatred. Yeah, yeah, India doesn't like Pakistan. You, you know, I don't like my neighbor downstairs. It's, it's oh, the man, I should have done shit. all my Pakistan jokes when I was yeah. in India the last time. That's why <laughs> it's, I learned. It's, yeah, it's the typical shit. So I started going that route. And then... Um, I don't know. There was like I. I think the reality was was they wanted to laugh. So the fact that I somehow was able to turn it around, they actually appreciated that. But there was a core group of them who fucking hated me. And I remember when I when I I went off. The most amazing part was when I went off. Jim Norton still had to go on, and I was actually going like Jim's going to be pissed at me because what I did was really selfish. I came out and fucked up, and what I should have done was just taken the bullet. But uh, and Jim went out, never addressed it, went right into his act, and fucking killed. For 15 fucking minutes. And and then that was the end of the show. And then we're going to bring everybody out one more time. So they bring me back out again. Everybody booed, but then laughed and applauded. And I waved. And there was, but there was one kid down. I can still remember. He was, he was like, 
yelling at me. Like he ran down to the front and he was at the. He's going, "Hey, Bill!" He's going, "Give me the finger!" Going, "Fuck you! Fuck you!" He's giving me the. He's giving me the finger. Going, "Fuck you!" And I kept cupping my ear. Going, "What? What?" And he would he he would yell louder, "Fuck you! Fuck you!" And I kept going, "Like what? I can't." Kid doesn't understand. He's giving me the finger, and I literally got him. You know the expression, hopping mad. Yeah. He was jumping up and down, going, "Fuck you! Fuck you!" And I just kept laughing. And uh, when you walked off stage, what did you did you feel like? Aha! Or did you feel more like, wow? I'm glad I got through that one. No, I I, I was nervous. I didn't know. How, I knew it was going to end up on the internet because some like a lot of the the the, the shows, you know, people, you know, everybody's got the yeah. cam- cameras. Anything fucked up happens now. People tape it. So I was really, uh, I was humiliated. I had a headache. I what? It wasn't fun. That's the one thing was because it went well. People, you know. Comedians know it's not fun, but fucking uh, regular people might have a tendency to look at it and think it was it wasn't fun. I had a fucking headache, but as I talked to the other comics and they were like, "Dude, that was fucking awesome." I, I started to relax a little bit, but I was still nervous that I was like, "Oh fuck, that's gonna end up on YouTube and people are gonna be like uh, and think that that I suck as a comic." Like that was the exact you know you want shit on the internet or you getting cheered. So and then what happened was. Oh, this is hilarious. It kind of took on a life of its own. And right as I embraced it, like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm huh? that guy. I'm fucking cool. I then go to Cleveland to finish the tour. And at that point, it had been so talked about that the people in Cleveland wanted me to do it again. So uh, I walked out. Hey, everybody, how you doing? It was just, <laughs> he started uh, me. And that one, then I, I was like, oh, my God, my career's over. Every time I go on stage now, people are going to be like, because you know, they I expect got, you I, to be the Gallagher of aggression, right? And I and I have that typical entertainer thing where everybody in the world so gives a fuck about right. what I'm doing that I thought like everyone is going to do this now, and uh, so I knew that they wanted me to trash Cleveland, and I refused. <laughs> I refused to do it. So then it became this stalemate where I was just standing there and they were booing me, and I just said, "All right, guys, good night," and I walked off, and I was I was I was pissed. I was really fucking mad, and I was. Uh, I was just like, you know, I was literally like, fuck the show. I'm not doing the show anymore. I'm not doing any events. I, I t- totally went off the fucking deep end. And then like three days later, I was like, well, Bill, what, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, didn't you go on the radio station and just sit there and, 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 and absorb all the compliments that you were getting, <laughs> you know, as they played you getting booed? What the fuck did you think was going to happen? It's like, you're an idiot. So I then I ended up. Uh, the first club gig I did after it was uh, San Francisco, and nobody even knew about it. And then I was quickly reminded of how fucking low on the totem pole I am in this business. And I was like, I guess it's going to be all right. And um, <laughs> so now it's just something that's really flattering to hear other comedians. But, you know, just to set the record straight, and I said it earlier, you said the, I was the first guy that I think that something like that was actually taped mm-hmm. because I've seen guys do that, do stuff. And I know, dude, everything's been done. Yeah. Okay, there's this, this stuff uh, of uh, Bill Hicks is, you know, screaming at the girl. At that woman. I'm a drunk cunt. I'm going to come in here and fuck up the yeah. show. And his shit is so much more evil than mine. And, like, he's, and his thing about his, too, is he, like, I was on a huge stage, so there was really a barrier. Yeah. He, like, he's doing it in a, in a place where, and he's, like, bended. Like, he's almost has his head over that table, and it's like, there's beer glasses there was no just plastic cups and shit and you really have to throw it far to get me so that's like more uh 
It's it's way more, you know. Yeah, the Bill Hicks one is is a little uncomfortable because he's screaming at the woman. If you guys, you should YouTube it. But he basically, a woman just says something like "You suck," and just the idiocy of that heckle is what unhinged him. It's also the act that he was doing, and he was doing it in those rooms, I think. And it was just night after night after night of watching the feature go on and be like, "You ever, you know, been laying in a haystack?" And it's fucking destroyed. And then he's he's making he's making he's doing this amazing intricate political, I mean, socio political commentary. I mean, in the eighties, yeah. which is mind blowing for a comic to to do. Yeah, and a lot of and a lot of the shit that he was talking about going on, you know, is really like. Uh, played out it should still really contemporary so you're doing totally it totally works you know that deal when you're in front of a crowd and then they're morons and uh it's bad enough that they're not getting you but then when they when they say you suck like it's it's just like that's the worst thing ever is being angry on and then and too. so yeah so he he literally is like fuck you get her the fuck out of here you stupid cunt. he says cunt like 10 times yeah. and then he stops and he was just, and he just kind of has that moment of like, <laughs> "Hey, you're gonna get out of this one." <laughs> like he, yeah, he kind of just stops to take to take note of the hole that he's in. I really wish I could have seen the rest of that show just to see where that went. Yeah, no, it. it's it's uh, not which that's not the direction you want to go in, but it happens. <laughs> well, Bill, thank you so much for having us in your uh, in, in your home, and uh, you have a lovely place, by the way. Well, thank you for lying is, on your podcast. I appreciate very, no, that. No, your place is very nice. It is. It's decent. And uh, I'm a fan it, of the uh, West Wing part of your home. It's very. Oh, is that what you like? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was good. It's cavernous. That's why I, I, I banish my girlfriend too when I can't deal with it. <laughs> over over to the wing. Yeah. Well, if we. Uh, I have a rescue pit bull, by the way. That's what's in the other room that we had to. We had to stick. Is that you're like? Yeah, she gets a little nervous around people. <laughs> and for a pit bull, by nervous that means uh, spine gets Biting. extracted yeah. via yeah. your front. That's, that's uh, like a Mortal Kombat end move. <laughs> She's a little nervous. My spine is in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> that's a Mortal Kombat move. Uh, just a, you know, a We're working move. on it. We're doing some dog whisper shit. <laughs> We're trying to trying to get her. So, well, thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate Thanks, man. It. Uh, so online, people, billbird.com. Yeah, B U R R. And uh, this month of April, just in case this this goes. Uh, this comes out after Punchline. I will. I already actually already hyped it. I'll be in Cincinnati via Newport, Kentucky at the Funny Bone. But I can honestly say, having performed with Bill Burr and having seen him many times, uh, you have got to see him live. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal comic, and you will be cheating yourself uh, if you don't. So now watch, I'm gonna bomb all week. Good <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Man. Thanks. The end. The end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. In 2001, less than a month after the 9-11 attacks, the U.S. and allied forces invaded Afghanistan. The goal was simple, hunt down al-Qaeda and its leader, Osama bin Laden, and unseat the Taliban government that sheltered him. But even though the Taliban was quickly removed, negotiating an end to the war turned out to be a much bigger challenge. Despite some of the world's best negotiators working tirelessly for peace, all sides were never able to come to a negotiated agreement. And in 2021, 20 years after being ousted from power, the Taliban took back control of Afghanistan. So why did some of the world's smartest and most experienced negotiators fail for 20 years to mediate a peace deal in Afghanistan? The Afghan Impasse, a special seven-episode edition of The Negotiators, a podcast from Doha Debates and Foreign Policy, looks back on the players, politics, and strategies that contributed to one of the biggest failures in modern peace negotiations. You can listen to The Negotiators, The Afghan Impasse, exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.